one of the things that that keeps it exciting for me is every single queer person um you know trans folks especially so they'll ask me what i'm doing and I'll be like oh yeah so i quit my job of you know almost four years left the industry entirely and now i'm becoming a mechanic and there's this very quick succession of wow oh my god that's so exciting and then straight to oh my god my car's a piece of shit <laughs> and i don't know what to do and the check engine light's been on for four months can you help me <laughs> so i've already got without even putting myself out there or really offering anything publicly, people who are saying, hey, I need some help with this. Can you, can you do something? You're listening to Thick Skin, and I'm your host, Alicia Crawford. This is a podcast about women, transgender, and non-gender conforming people working in the skilled trades. Welcome to part four. This is the final episode in this four-part documentary, chronicling Aaron's bold journey into an automotive and diesel mechanics career. When we last heard from Aaron, they had secured an internship with their local neighborhood very woke mechanic. And now, Aaron's mechanic training program and the internship are both winding down. It's the end of the semester. We're wrapping up our classes We've now been in class for four months and did a month-long internship and am feeling incredibly proud of myself. Um, I tend to not get very excited in front of people and and generally kind of keep my emotions uh, and enthusiasm, uh, very deep, but I feel pretty badass. You know, six months ago, I didn't know how to change the oil in my car. I would look under the hood of my car and feel foolish because I had no idea what I was looking at, um, and no idea what I should be looking for. And now I can do a lot of maintenance and a lot of repairs and feel confident in my ability to do those things. I can do them for myself and I can do them for other people. And now I am at the point where I've got to take some real steps in figuring out what is next for me in my career. One of the difficulties that I'm having is that when I am looking for a job, ideally as an auto tech or mechanic or even a lube tech. Um, a lot of these places want me to have more experience and training than I do, want me to have more tools than I do. Um, and a lot of times I've heard that especially for folks who, especially for women um, and for the very few trans people I've ever met doing this it's a very common experience that I hear that they'll go in very entry level very green with this idea that oh yeah we're going to start you in the yard or as a lube tech and then we're going to train you and you'll become a mechanic or you'll become an apprentice and that process draws on for years and years and years with no increase in pay and oftentimes very little pay and no real career path. But I 
decided I was going to keep looking, right? Keep applying to not just automotive, but also heavy duty and diesel because the program that I went through had a lot. It was very diesel heavy. Our instructor is a diesel mechanic by trade. He's also been, you know, an auto mechanic. So he introduced us to both sides, but the classroom that we were in, the tools that we were using, the majority of our content was heavy duty diesel. So I ended up applying for a position that popped up with a international company that rents uh, heavy duty equipment. Um, they're not so much commercial vehicles, but they do pumps and generators and climate control and concert and venue contracting and all sorts of things. And they have this mechanic trainee position. And I was reading through it and I was like, you know, on paper, I meet these requirements. I have the experience that they're looking for, but I don't know if they're ever going to take me, right? I'm so green. I have so little experience, um, but I'm going to go for it anyway. And I did. And I even emailed, I looked up who the recruiter was for this region and sent him an email telling him how much I'd love to work there and didn't hear back. For months, didn't hear back. So I kind of wrote it off and I was like, all right, all right, I'm going to keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. And kind of in that time, I had started actually doing this internship and applying for other jobs. And then one day I got a missed call and saw that I had a voicemail and checked it. And it was a different recruiter for this company saying that she wanted to talk to me about the position I applied for. And even then I thought, you know what, you know, they're calling me. It's, you know, they're probably going to tell me that, oh, you don't have the experience that we're looking for for the mechanic training position, but we've got this lot or this porter position that you'd be perfect for. And so that's what I was expecting for this conversation. But, you know, I gave her a call back and we scheduled a formal phone interview and she actually talked to me about the mechanic position. Had a great conversation too. She seemed to really like me. Um, so she let me know that the managers were going to talk it over. I'd hear back in probably four or five days whether or not they were going to move on to the next steps. So it was the end of the week. So I'm not expecting anything until the following week. And I think it was the next day I got another voicemail from her saying, hey, the managers want to bring you in and, and meet you. So I set up an interview, went on site and and met with them. And it was a two hour interview. first half, they talked to me about kind of that standard, you know, behavioral interview thing. You know, what would you do in these situations? And tell me about a time you did this or that and you've handled these types of people. I've answered those questions and I've asked for those questions hundreds of times. My last job was in recruiting and and that was actually something they wanted to know. They were, they, they were so curious and I think fascinated by this is what you were doing before and now you've stopped doing that and you've gone off in this completely different direction, kind of left field. Why? Why on earth would you do that? And so I told them, you know, that I, 
I want that feeling of accomplishment and I want to be self-sufficient. I want to learn a trade. I want to have something tangible that I can do for myself and that I can offer for someone else. And I don't want to sit in an office anymore that just doesn't bring me joy. We had that conversation. Then they set me up with their shop manager for the technical portion of the interview, which I was not expecting. And that was probably foolish on my part. But we walked around for about an hour while he talked to me about things that I had no idea about. I've never worked on a generator. I've never worked on a pump. He's throwing out, you know, names and acronyms. I have no idea what he's talking about. And then he's asking me questions. He starts quizzing me and like trying to see, you know, what do I know? And most of the stuff I had no idea Um, so I thought I was kind of worried that he probably thought I was dumb and wanted to know why they had set him up with this, with this idiot and wasting his time. Aaron may have been surprised by the length of that interview and not 100% ready for all of those technical questions. But as you know, Aaron's got a lot of other know-how. Well, they reached into their work pants back pocket and threw down some of their well-honed HR magic tricks. So when I realized <laughs> when I realized what was happening, I started sweating, but I was like, I've got to do something. You know what? This is not my dream job, but this would be a really cool opportunity to to get trained and to get paid to get trained. And so I tried to turn the conversation around and started asking him you know, about himself and try to make it a little bit more personal and, you know, doing some of those, you know, very, very, to me, what feels standard, you know, interview etiquette of trying to make that personal connection. And overall, something must have worked because a couple of days later, I got another phone call from the recruiter saying, hey, they loved you. We want to offer you the position and bring you in. Today was day three. I started on Monday. It's a full-time paid position, probably a lot of overtime, a really great starting rate compared to all of the other jobs that I've seen and applied for. Free tools that pay for my uniforms. They're getting me boots and prescription safety glasses and uh, my DOT medical card and all sorts of things. You know what? It's a step and it's experience and it is training and knowledge that is so structured that it works well for me. And it feels like I'm just going from one school to another and getting paid to do it. So, so far, it's been a really great experience. One of the things that has made me really nervous and that I am still trying to figure out how my identity is going to go. How are people going to treat me? And how am I going to respond? And I think it's the response piece that worries me in figuring out how do I both stand up for myself and demand respect, but also keep my cool and not not go off on people and and get myself in trouble. which is like ludicrous that I have to think about those things. But, I mean, that's the reality of the situation, I guess. Um, or could be. We'll see. So, so much 
has happened. And I think if seven, eight months ago you told me that this is what I would be doing, I probably would have laughed in your face. This wasn't even registering as something that I could do seven or eight months ago. But I knew then that I didn't want to be doing what I was doing then and started searching and started really digging deep and and turning within and figuring out, okay, I hate this. I know that I hate, you know, this job that I have. What do I want to do? What do I want to change? And I'm doing it. I've, I've stopped letting my fears of how people are going to treat me and what that's going to be like hold me back. And I'm doing it. And I'm honestly just like, I'm so proud of myself. And, and yeah, it feels awesome to be able to say that. I was so excited to catch up with Aaron after they got hired. I asked Aaron what was next. And they talked about their big dream. Their big, safe space, queer, trans, non-binary, mechanics dream. What does that look like to you? <laughs> so many things. Can I, can I just say how big you're smiling right now? <laughs> um, you know, I really just want an environment and a space where like someone who has a similar background to me, recognizing that I even come to this with like a lot of privileges and have there's a lot of things I fortunately have not had to experience. So someone who's experienced worse than me, I can only imagine like what it is like when you don't have stable income or when your car is your home or mm-hmm. you know all of these things happen and you're like trying to find some help to keep this thing you know to keep your vehicle together and on the road and, and safe you know what that's like when you also don't know who you can trust to do this thing that is very complex and very expensive um and you just have to hope you know yeah. that it stays together yeah because there's also that aspect of being like visibly queer or trans and walking into these very like cis het white male dominated Mm. spaces and that just extra anxiety that sometimes walks in the door ahead of you and Mm -hmm. you know shadows the experience so a place where like someone can come in and not have that be you know (laughs) something that that folks need to feel anxious about yeah so automatically have just a more more comfortable experience for folks i think my bigger dream is you know, in addition to like what that space feels like. I think part of my vision is having a way to like subsidize car repairs, especially mm-hmm. for folks for who aren't stably housed or, mm-hmm. you know, single moms and, mm-hmm. and or folks, you know, with disabilities, like folks who are generally need a functioning vehicle just to meet the daily needs of life and have a harder time doing it. Yeah. So I've got, you know, different ideas of, like, this, like, side piece of it. I was like, what if we, you know, put a really cute coffee shop on the side and, like, I love it. sell queer art and hang it on the walls? <laughs> yes, and, like, you yes. know, the funds from that coffee shop yeah. help subsidize it. I don't know. But, yeah. But this, this big magical thing. So I'll talk to my friends about it. And one of the nice things is, like, no matter who I talk to about this idea, yeah. everyone gets so excited. And oh, like, yeah. I want to come work there. You know, <laughs> yeah. Let me greet your guests. <laughs> Everybody so, wants to work in the happy yeah. place. Who so, doesn't? Yeah. So I've got, yeah. already got it staffed. Yeah. We just got to make it happen. <laughs> That's so awesome. It sounds like the ideal mechanic shop to me too yeah. <laughs> i can't speak for every yes cis woman out there but 
most of us have cars and we've all been to the mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> right. And some of us know a little, some of us know a lot, some of us know nothing. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a wide spectrum there, but it's rarely a good experience. Yeah. No matter how much you know. So that sounds dreamy. <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> Just a good time. <laughs> What's interesting to me is that it has a cause. Mm-hmm. And so you've left, quote unquote, the nonprofit world, but you still have what sounds to me like a personal mission mm-hmm. that is very focused around equity and changing your community sort of from the inside out mm-hmm. and, and affecting change in that way so that you can provide a safe and comfortable place for people to come. Yeah. So you're not out of the nonprofit world. Nice try. <laughs> nice try. Yeah. But that's really cool. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah. Thank and you. We'll see you again for sure because this is only the beginning, everyone. Definitely. Like Aaron said, we have five years ahead of, of this story. So there's, there's going to be a lot to follow. Yes. So this is the, the first step. And so thank you so much for being open and available and spending time to do this work with this project on thick skin yeah thank you thank you for being you know part of this journey with me thank you so much aaron for sharing this with me and for sharing this with our listeners and thank you listeners for tuning in We'll catch you next time on Thick Skin. This show was produced by me, Alicia Crawford, and original music by Eric Corson. And special thanks to Frances Maddie, my social media maven. Follow us at Thick Skin Podcast. Hashtag Women Trades Podcast. That's women with an X. And extra huge thank yous go out to all of the donors who make this show possible, especially the Crawford Family Trust. Thanks for listening to Thick Skin.